Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right. All right. Welcome in. One giant step week 11 edition. I'm going to be the prototypical radio host here that goes how did we get to week 11 already but here we are it's sean morish it's paul Dettino. the week before thanksgiving it's turkey hunting weekend and hopefully lion hunting weekend in the giants case paul how are you good morning well sean hope you're well and by the way think about this for just a second right so the giants are playing dallas on thanksgiving and they're playing Detroit now as we prepare the stuffing and mashed potatoes. Because if this isn't a back-to-back Thanksgiving flavor, I don't know what is. It totally is. It totally is. And it's so funny. When the, when the schedule was first coming out, I totally forgot that Detroit came here. And when everybody had said the Giants, you know, that hey, Giants are playing on Thanksgiving, I did that quick look. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to play the Lions. I never in a million years accounted for the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Because, Paul, I, and we can talk about this more next week, but think about it. I mean, I've been on this earth. 35 years going to go with 36 years. You a few years on me. The yeah. Giants feel like a team that should have played the Cowboys multiple times on Thanksgiving by now and just never have here in my life. They've had the one line game, the LT game. And if that's been a bunch of these night games that have rolled in here, it's kind of incredible that we're looking ahead to a game in Dallas on Thanksgiving that it's so unusual considering the fact that they played Washington, they played Philly, but it's never the Giants in that spot. You understand that the fact that we even mentioned that Dallas game would have Brian Dable smack us both upside of the course. head. Of course. We're looking ahead, of course. But you know what? Brian Dable would slap us in the head, but don't tell me that there's not some players like a Daniel Jones that haven't kind of looked and at least watched a little film ahead because you have to cheat a little bit on a Thursday game. We hear that all the time, Paul. So we can't completely act like you don't look ahead because it's nature that you almost have to when it's a Thursday night game. But that being said... We get into this Lion game here, and I know that we understand the Lions' record, and they've won two straight games, but let's face it, the wins versus the Packers and Bears, you know, they had flaws filled with the other teams, but I guess that's part of the NFL. You can make that case for some of the Giant wins this year as well. Paul, I, I by no means, spoiler alert, I'm not going to pick the Giants to lose this game. I do have to say, as I look ahead, there is a little bit 
of an element of nervousness I have as a fan entering this game. That this is definitely not a layup. I am a little concerned by how many points the Lions can score. But on the flip side, you know, the Giants got to score points here. I know they're going to muck it up and they're going to play to their style. But this game, I, I am certainly not chalking it up like the Texan game where it's a definite assumed win by any means. Yeah, I agree with you. I've always thought that during this two-game stretch against subpar teams, Houston and Detroit, that Detroit would be more of the psychological trap game, if you will, in addition to understanding that the Lions have a much more talented and explosive offense than Houston does, thereby making them more dangerous. You're talking about a team that has scored 40 points once this year and in the 30s three times. The Giants haven't scored in the 30s. Yeah. Not I mean, once. Again, they haven't scored in the 30s since the day my oldest daughter was born. Okay. It's been okay. a long time now. She's about to turn three. So, I mean, we keep calling for the Giants to score 30. You would think at some point this year in this kind of NFL, they would have to score 30. Maybe that is this kind of week. But again, you start to look at all the numbers and the breakdown and watch the tape. And I know you do this so well, Paul. Here we are, and I, it's almost like crazy. It feels like the Giants keep running into teams where the number one topic of conversation is they have trouble stopping the run. I, I mean, this has happened with Houston. It's happened with other teams previously on the schedule. And then you look up. I feel like every week they're playing the same team that's ranked in the same position and stopping the run. The Lions struggle with stopping the run. Oh, by the way, what do the Giants do? Great. They run the heck out of the ball. And it feels like we keep getting to the end of these on the previews. The fantasy reality, hey, well, look at their job versus the run. It's got to be a Saquon Barkley day. And here we are, Paul, another game that looks exactly like that from a schematic standpoint. You know, think about it, Sean, right? Doesn't it make sense, though, because the Giants are lined up against a bunch of these, quote, subpar teams. And as you say, there's that one common denominator. But what does every head coach and defensive coordinator always tell you the first key to success is? We've got to stop the run. Okay, this is the proof for those people out there who still don't believe that, who still think that you've got to have that dynamic pass rusher on the edge, that you've got to have the shutdown corner who's going to come up with 10 interceptions. Let this be a lesson to you. You still have to stop the run uh, first. Look why Philly lost on Monday night, Paul. They couldn't stop Bingo. the run. And all the way, they're signing our old friend Linval Joseph because they're looking ahead to the schedule. They need to stop yeah. the run. And by the way, no Giants, Giants still doing that well with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Okay, so let's talk about the offense first in this game before we get into the defensive side of the ball and some of the, you know, the problems that Detroit could create on that side because that's clearly their strength. But on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about the key to stopping the run and the Giants, hey, Look, they're going to feed the beast that is Saquon Barkley. But, Paul, you mentioned just a little while ago about Brian Dable slapping us upside the head and not looking ahead. Do you think that there's an element here where we might see a little less Saquon with the knowing that they're going to have to bounce back with a big division game on a short week? I have been thinking the very same thing, Sean. Uh, Gary Brightwell, in his very, very limited opportunities this year, has shown that he can run physically between the tackles. And we all know Matt Breida can play. Let's right. not kid ourselves. Matt oh, Breida is a quality NFL back. Every time he's touched the ball for the Giants, he's he's had a positive play. Even if it's been in limited, you know, we haven't felt like Matt Breida has been a negative whenever he's touched the ball, put it that way. Right. So it would not surprise me that in situational football, as coaches like to say, we will see some of Brightwell and some of Breida both, I believe, on Sunday. And certainly, if the Giants are fortunate enough to have the game kind of in their grasp 
I think you'll even see more of those guys in the fourth quarter. And I'm sure that that would be a luxury Brian Dable would very much welcome. Yeah, and and when it comes to passing the ball, obviously, in this game, it's not to say that you can't pass the ball on the lines. You surely can. I mean, they really don't stop anything. They're just so no. porous uh, stopping the run. We keep talking about, are the Giants going to find a formula to get more passing yardage up? I mean, everything Daniel Jones has been asked to do, he's done. He's not turning the ball over, and he's making these big passes in the face of pressure. His third down efficiency rate has been unbelievable. You know, there was the clip in the sights and sounds the Giants put out of uh, Saquon Barkley turning to Darius Slayton. Did you see that? But he said, I didn't know you had it in you. And Darius Slayton gives him, well, now, if you didn't know, now you know. Uh, I wonder, as we look ahead here and we see Slayton making plays like this. Uh, oh, by the way, Kenny Galladay's appeared on the injury report with a different kind of injury who knows what what's going on there do you think that we're going to see more heavy doses of Slayton maybe more Hodgins involved as he showed last week and that this might be the week where play action against the Lions team that can't stop the run really starts to trip them up and you get a few more bigger passing opportunities for the Giants than maybe we would think game plan was well when you consider that Detroit has the worst defense in the NFL at over 415 yards a game uh, as I as I check over here, I scan my numbers, 31st against the run, 27th against the pass. I mean, 32nd in defending third downs at over 51%. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the only thing that I can say to comfort you a bit, Sean, and that is this. If the Lions do wind up putting some decent amount of points against this Giants D, the Giants should be able to get into that track meet against this Lions defense. They really should. Yeah. I don't think they have to, but I think they should be able to if they need to. Now, Slayton, I want to mention something here because it's kind of been lost in the shuffle. Among qualifiers in the National Football League, Darius Slayton is now tied for third in the NFL, averaging 17.2 yards per catch. Okay? I know he's had a couple of big long ones in there that kind of helped out the average, but Slayton in this last month and a half, has legitimately reinserted himself into the conversation when you talk about effective receivers in this league. Yeah. And, and he's holding he's on to the ball. Him. He's holding on to the feed ball. Him. He's catching the ball. I mean, he's had his feed drop him. issues. Feed him. Yeah. So I feed, agree. Feed I, him. I, I and, and as far as and as far as uh, as far as the rest of the offensive attack, we saw Cager catch the touchdown last week. I don't know if Hodgins is going to be a bigger part of this offense this week or not, but I'm going to give you a little tip because you're going to ask me about the fantasy player later on. I'm going to say this may be the week where you see a little more Wandale Robinson. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Yep. I mean. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You've seen this draft class really, I mean, 
play above their heads. Now, Dane Belton's had his problems with taking the wrong angle and missing tackles, but he's still been a, a positive player for this team. So the interception last week, obviously Bellinger and Neal and Thibodeau, but Wandell Robinson, I think, is the X factor of this whole draft class because when he's been given the ball, he missed all that time being hurt. You see him jump up to me and go, okay, I like this. I like what I'm seeing. I, I like some of the elements. But, you know, at some point in a position group that we feel is maybe the most starved or suffocated or whatever word you want to use uh, as far as the depth chart goes, I mean, a guy in a draft class where the draft picks are really producing, you're a second-round pick in that position, you just you want to see the team use him more. I I, I don't think that that's a, a huge ask. I mean, I, I think he's done everything asked for him so far. Let's go. I mean, it's, it's mid-November football. Now let's step up the usage. You know something, Sean? I've been talking to you since the summer about the this not being, you know, your father's offense. Uh, and so much of what I've seen, I still not come out from behind the curtain yet this year. I was talking to somebody about it this week, and I said, think about it. Giants had one division game against Dallas in the first half of the season as they were yep. trying to weave their way through the trees. It wouldn't have surprised me if Dable and Kafka did purposely hold back not only portions of the playbook, but very large portions of the playbook, thinking that it's easier to run the ball anyway. We're playing... I hate to say this, but a weaker schedule in the first half of the season. Let's see if we can establish the run, get away with it against some of the weaker teams, and then start dusting off those chapters once we get to the second half of the schedule and we've got the Dallas game, the two Philly games, the two Washington games, yeah. and see if we can then bring out the flamethrower against the division teams when they least expect it, yeah, which I think is why – I don't think they're going to get too wide open against Detroit. I think you may see a little more Wondell Robinson, but probably not the whole enchilada because I think they want to save that for Thanksgiving. So I don't disagree. And I think anybody listening to what you just said might be throwing their arms up in the air and going, but Paul, coaches know you got to focus on the week and win every single week. And there's no coach that exemplifies that so far more this year than Brian Dable. And I agree with right. that. However, however, to that point, what they've done has worked. And I don't think that that Dable would have held anything back if the running the ball wasn't working. I think then that's when he works in some of that stuff. But, you know, Correct. you're seeing a lot of the same run play calls just going left to right, and they can't – these other teams haven't well, stopped it. So why would you open it up? It doesn't mean that they haven't practiced it. It doesn't mean that Kafka can't go to it and call it. But you know what? Hey, what we're doing is working. That's okay to hold some stuff back. And by the way – if you think that in the past couple of years, teams haven't done that against the Giants, when the Giants have been kind of the also-rans and stuff, I'm sure that's happened in games to us for the last couple of years where we didn't see the other team's full complement of playbooks. You could even argue in 2020 when the Giants were 6-10 and 10 and had some of those moral victory games that they lost, well, how do we know opponents weren't doing that to the Giants? They knew they were doing enough to beat them anyway. I mean, that's all on the table when you see it from the other point of view. Think about it, right? They played subpar opponents that were offensively challenged, opponents that did not stop the run well. They're trying to get their offensive line together. They've had injuries at left guard. They had a rookie right tackle. They had a brand-new center, a brand-new right guard to start the season. So these guys were going to need time to gel and mesh anyway. And again, we all know run blocking is easier than pass blocking. We knew that a couple of weeks into the season that the wide receiving core had already started to get banged up. It seems to me that it was 
on all fronts, the smartest thing to do was not to open up this offense yeah. during September and October. It just seems all of the, the roads led to the conclusion that they needed to be a run-heavy team at least for the first half of the season. Yeah, and by the way, this ironically is the time you want to run the ball, right, as you get to the colder weather and everything, but like that, hopefully, you know, the Giants seem to be playing in a fine weather game on Sunday before they go on the road and likely play indoors in Dallas. Now, Paul, let's get to a little bit of the injury stuff, and again, as I remind everybody, every week, we're taping this on Thursday morning, so we don't have the full Thursday injury report, but I thought a couple things were interesting from Wednesday. First, I already teased it a little bit, Kenny Holiday, which... I'm just going to say flat out, Paul, and you don't have to say this, and the Giants would never admit this. Does this seem like a polite way to find a path to making him inactive without being controversial? Uh, I saw him walking with a little bit of a gimp, uh, Okay, to be frank with you, af- after the game. I mean, okay, so, so they're saying this is a hamstring. I mean. Yeah. I, again, saw him, I-, I saw him after the game in the locker room. And as I was going around, you know, to interview the the the, uh, the key players of the game, and I saw Kenny walk across to his locker, and he was not very fluid. And I said to myself, "Okay, great. So now this guy, you know, had a rough day, got himself benched again. But did he get now, benched? Did he get benched, or was it because he got hurt?" Uh, coach said that they made a change in the se- in the second half because at halftime he went to wide receiver Mike uh, Coach Mike Rowe and told Kenny that they were going in a different direction. Okay. So he was benched. Which and then is, on top of that, he's 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 nicked up again. Which so is am- I, I expected to hear something on Wednesday. I'm not going to lie to you. I knew Sunday afternoon after that game, I was like, I think this is going to be a problem. All right. So there's a couple different layers. And at some point, Kenny Galladay is going to become really irrelevant to these podcasts anyway. And we may be getting I know. Point. But, but this is the one team you'd want him to actually break course, out again. Facing his old team, the line, the line. So here's all I'll say about that. Number one, if he was hurt truly and limping, then thank goodness Dable pulled him because I wonder if if Kenny Galladay, so thirsty and angry by his own in- injuries, but wanting to prove himself, would have been out there and hindered the team in the second half. I mean, I guess that's possible. Don't know. Um, number two, if he really is hurt, and I have no reason to think he isn't, you saw him limping. I mean. Look, we have we felt this way about Kadarius Tony too. It really sucks, and you feel bad for these guys when they get hurt. But if you basically become, you know, the game of operation, and there's always something else that's hurt on you, I it just it comes a point in time where that feels like the ship has sailed. If it already didn't feel that way, that he'd be gone after the year. I am at the point right now, November seventeenth. We're taping this. I officially don't expect anything from Kenny Galladay the rest of the year, which is a complete turn from where I was speaking a week ago. Uh, that's how I felt as well, Sean. I keep holding out hope because I know the man has put up things in his past that says he's got the toolbox, right. he's got the skill set. And has said and the God, right things. Yes, he has said all the right things, and we know they could use him. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. They could use him. But at this point, the uh, the desire and the hope and the optimism is really evaporating rather quickly. And on that note, Wandell was on there limited with a little bit of a, what was it? Was that another hamstring injury I saw? On the yeah, football? yeah, but I think that was more precautionary because he was a bit tweaked. Uh, he was walking around fluidly, and I think they simply did not want to aggravate him knowing that, you know, they've got a game coming up Sunday and then a quick one on Thursday. Why, why get him out there in full practice and aggravate maybe what might be a minor tweak that he could get over and maybe even play with if he has to? 
Okay, and now the the biggest one I wanted to get to, which was great news, but maybe I'm wrong on this because I don't expect anything Sunday. I'm thinking more Thanksgiving. Evan Neal returning in a limited role, which is obviously something you want to see the kid play and get reps. You continue to get better at right tackle. But I don't know, Paul. I kind of feel like because of the short week coming up with Dallas, that feels like a quick turnaround to come back from injury. Is that Am I getting the right read on that? Do you think Neal could play this week? Or do you think they would hold him back, get him there in the practice, get him the mold, and look more towards Dallas? Yeah, my suspicion is that uh, they're trying to prep him for the Cowboys game. Okay. Uh, that's so, how I see it. That's how I, I mean, felt, look, Okay. Look, after being limited in only his first practice back, he didn't even have a full practice, okay? Now, he came through okay. I did talk to him after practice yesterday, and he came through fine. But now, how does he come through overnight? You know, how does he get through a first real practice? These are questions the Giants have to answer. So why rush him back against the Lions when, to be frank with you, Sean, Tyree Phillips has held up okay. Right, and you're playing, again, the worst defense in football where you hope that not by not having Evan Neal, the game's not getting wrecked. Uh, Tyree Phillips has played fine. So, Paul, I, I do find that angle interesting. So me and you are kind of in lockstep or are in lockstep on the Evan Neal situation. Do you think that the Giants are, are thinking that way where they are thinking differently based on the fact that they're playing on a Thursday turnaround as far as a Sunday, as far as, you know, just in general, guys? Or do you think that next week playing on Thursday actually could hurt guys? For instance, Aziz Ojolari, is that something when he's due to get off IR for the Dallas game? Do we think they'd rush him back ahead of that game? Because, you know, it does feel like you'd want to have most bodies on deck as these games get more important in the division. Yeah, for sure. I understand that perspective, Sean, and you would love to have him, but he hasn't done a whole lot of practice. I suspect they may not be able to get him back for the Cowboys. I think they feel very fortunate that they've got Ellison Smith available. They've got Roche available. Zimenez has been playing better. I think that they're thinking more long-term, but if by some stretch of the imagination he is able to get a couple of practices in, maybe Dallas is still in play. I would hesitate to say that, though. Yeah, it's really sucked not seeing Aziz out there as his brother BJ has been tearing up the SEC and watching him as a pass rusher left and right on College Football Saturday. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Paul, quickly before we get into the game predictions, on the defensive side of the ball, all right, from afar, if you haven't watched any Lions game, you're like, okay, Jared Goff's their quarterback. I know they have Amon Ross St. Brown. I know they have DeAndre Swift. But this is an offense you should be handling. Yet the Lions in plenty of these games have put up points and been able to put up points in bunches. Now they've taken advantage of bad turnovers, a la last week, the Justin Fields pick six. That you know looks like it's an offensive touchdown. It's a defensive touchdown. But here we are. We didn't miss Xavier McKinney a week ago. We talked about Ojolari has still been out. 
I mean, is this a game where we're just confident Wick Martindale is going to fluster Jared Goff? Or does this Lions offense present some real problems here? I mean, Dory Jackson, you got to figures on a Ross St. Brown most of the game. But this is a spot where um, I know we feel like we've played better offenses. It does scare me a little bit. We're going to give up some points. All right. I'm going to temper temper your trepidation just a little bit. Okay. Hawkinson isn't there anymore. Great point. And he was there that first month of the season where they were scoring 30s and 30s and 20s and 40s. So the bulk of their excellent offensive production came while Hawkinson was in the lineup. And by the way, even to today, he is their second leading receiver, even though he's not right. there anymore. Right. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown missed a couple games. I mean, that hurt. I get it. But Hawkinson was a big component of their early success in September and True. October. True. So, yes. You look at their overall body of work, they are more explosive and more dangerous than Houston's offense without question. But are they really what their numbers say they are today when they're a different team? And I would say no. Reynolds is dealing with a bad back. Frank Ragno, their center, has been wearing a boot off and on again for the last several weeks. Penny Sewell has not been the guy that they drafted. All right? He's allowed six and a half sacks. And he's drawn 16 penalty flags in 25 NFL games. I didn't Does realize that, that sound, about the penalties. Wow, that's a good Does stat. that sound like a really high draft pick to you? No, it doesn't. It sound, By the way, sounds like some of our mistakes on offensive line in past years in the draft. Ball. Okay. So, and Jared Goff has thrown an interception in six of the Lions' nine games. So, let me just temper the nervousness a little bit. And tell you that while the Lions are more dangerous offensively than Houston, I don't think they're as dangerous as some of the stats would indicate because they're not, they're not as explosive as they were a month ago. Okay. I leave you with that. All right. And with that, hey, we've broken it down from all angles. Let's get some game predictions, some who ends up in the end zone stuff, the old fantasy reality. Let's see where we're sitting at here, Paul. Uh, I'm going to start this week. I am going to, I'm going to take Matt Breida to get in the end zone this week. Okay. Because I, the theory I gave you earlier, I think that you will still get your heavy dose of Saquon. I think you'll have an amazing game, but it would not shock me in the least if this is one of those games. And we saw it briefly last week. Saquon rips off a long run. The giants get inside the 15, the 10 Saquon's gassed. Hey, Let's monitor him a little bit play next week. And there's the classic Breida eats up a score there that Saquon could have had as he goes to the sideline. He helped lead him down there. I just see that scenario unfolding because we got a little bit of a hint of a taste of it last week. Breida couldn't get in. I think that could happen. You're laughing, Paul, but come on. We haven't seen that happen in football before. I can see the Giants more prone not to rush Saquon back out there to punch it in. For all the reasons we talked about earlier, they're not going to want to run Saquon Barkley into the ground, but I got... Gary Brightwell okay. with a short yardage touchdown. All right. So we're in, basically we're all about, Hey, Saquon's going to get the yards, but watch one of these backup running backs feast and take it. And obviously the reality situation, Paul, it keeps coming back to it. Boy, when we diagram this segment, uh, you know, week one, I kind of threw it against the wall. I didn't realize that here would be 11 weeks later and the same reality would exist. Run Saquon Barkley, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, stop the run. It becomes the most boring reality, but it's the truth. It's the reality that's gotten the Giants to seven wins. No doubt. No doubt. It has been a pleasant reality as opposed to a very nasty nightmare. I, I would also add one other thing. 
uh, in terms of the, the fantasy play. If you want to take a look at that and, and take a, a wild card at, at somebody, uh, I do say, as I said earlier, Wandale Robinson, I do believe, may get a little bit of the uh, gift wrapping off of him this week. I do think they'd like to get him a little bit more acclimated into the passing game. They're not going to give him the whole chapter because I do think they want to hold something back for Dallas. You'll see some stuff with Wandell. I really believe you're going to see some funky stuff with Wandell on Thanksgiving funky Day. Stuff. Funky yeah. stuff. Like a funky turkey, Paul? We're going to get in there? <laughs> with some stuffing. All right. But but, but, but my point is, Wandell should get a few more touches, I think, this week. All right. I'm in on that. By the way, stuffing your favorite side on Thanksgiving? I'm a big uh, corn guy. You know that if you were to say, "Hey, who have you worked with in your life that you would think on Thanksgiving would go corn?" when asked about their favorite side, I would say, "Yeah, that feels like a Tatinoism." Corn. I'm a, I'm a big, big corn, corn guy. guy. Now, Love just corn. the loose corn, or you do like you get all crazy and have corn on the cob on Thanksgiving? No, what do you? Well, the corn on the cob is wonderful, oh, but delicious. on Thanksgiving, the big spoonfuls of corn. All right, look, I love corn. I don't know that I've ever heard somebody utter the words, I'm a big corn guy, but good for you. <laughs> good for you. All right. Let's a lot see. of folks think I'm corny. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. By the way, again, we're talking about Thanksgiving. It feels like you were just telling me you put Kit Kats out in the Halloween bowl. Here we are. Unbelievable. All right. Now, uh, game picks. Here we go. Uh, I am again going to take the Giants to win. I'm going to take another crack at this 30-point thing. I'm going to take the Giants in another eight-point win, 31-23. to 23. I think that there will be a couple of eventful moments where I'd feel a little more nervous, but ultimately uh, I think the Giants are going to get there on the 30 point mark. I think the Lions defense is that bad. And I think that the Giants defense will do enough, especially late, maybe force Goff into a turnover two in the second half. Uh, I'm going 31 23 Giants on Sunday, Paul. Yeah. I'm going to give the Lions one less touchdown. I'm I'm thinking it could be something like uh, 31 17, uh, possibly okay. even a 31 16 score. I think you're right. I do think the Giants can score 31 points. Both the Dolphins and Bears have hit the 30-point plateau in two of the last three weeks against this team. They're giving up an average of 29 points a game. Right. So why can't the Giants finally crack the 30-point plateau? Uh, I think this is the week they can do that. And again, I'm going to give the Lions roughly the same amount of points that Houston scored last week. Houston got a couple of garbage field goals. Uh, so in reality, uh, they were not as potent as they may have shown on the scoreboard. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking this should be a fourth quarter in the Giants' grasp as they choke the Lions into oblivion. I love it. Choke the Lions into oblivion. All right, Paul, where can we follow you on Twitter throughout the weekend for all the injury reports and such? At Giants WFAN. You can follow me at Mraz, CBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Thank you. Download, subscribe, all of it. Thanks to our producer, Adam. And thanks for taking one giant step with us.